Hello, and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Doug Hatton, and this is episode 23 of the podcast, entitled, Is My Baptism Valid? Today's topic comes by way of emails I have received from listeners who are questioning the validity of their own baptism. Some do so because they now question the institutional church, believing it to be an apostasy. Some because they got baptized when they were only eight and didn't truly understand the nature of the covenant. Twice I was asked if there is anyone today who even has authority to baptize. Such questions evoke a great feeling of compassion in my heart, knowing that to even ask such a question reveals a broken heart and a contrite spirit. These two things are at the very core of what it takes to make a covenant with Christ. But even in my desire to help, I feel the Holy Spirit constraining me from trying to answer those questions for them. As a teacher, I can share general principles and truths as I feel led by the Holy Spirit, which apply to everyone. If the answer to someone's question comes directly out of the scriptures, I will happily point them to it. But if the question is a personal inquiry regarding one's walk with the Lord, unless the Spirit gives me a word to give to that person, the best thing I can do is point them in the right direction encouraging them to go directly to God for their answers. After all, this is one of the great gifts that Christ gave to humanity. When he died on the cross, the temple veil was torn in two, removing the barrier between God and man, so that we no longer need to have a priest be our go-between. One thing that we must try to unlearn from the traditions of Mormonism is going to certain men that we may see as authoritative in order to get our answers. While it's perfectly fine to have a discussion with somebody, or even get advice or counsel from someone you trust, ultimately we must go directly to God, especially as it pertains to our covenant with Him. Today, I would like to simply share some truths I believe to be universal in regards to the question of baptism and authority, and then you can go to the core scriptures, the Bible and the Book of Mormon, to lay a foundation, and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the specifics of your situation and your desire to be right with God. Regarding questions over whether a given institution has authority or not, no institution ever did. God gives his authority to individuals, but even then, I don't think the true meaning of authority and how it works is quite like what we have been taught. Even if person A has authority, if he lays his hands on person B, unless person B is called of God, he has no more authority after having hands laid on him as before. Nor do we walk in the authority of God when we are operating outside the will of the Lord. So person A would be effectively an apostasy for having laid hands on person B if person B is not truly called of God to that service. Furthermore, you can see this in both the New Testament and in the Book of Mormon. 
If God calls upon you to minister in some way, then carried within that calling, the very command from God himself is all the authority needed to perform the task. Saul repented and was called by God to serve as an apostle, even though the church authorities in Jerusalem never authorized or approved it, nor did any of the apostles lay hands on him to give him that authority. We have many examples in the Bible and the Book of Mormon where someone is simply called by God and they go to work without any official ordination by the hands of men, both in times when the church was scattered or corrupted, but also even in times when it was not. In other instances, we see that men have hands laid upon them. So what gives? Do we need hands laid upon us to receive authority or not? And going back and digging into the history of the restored church, I see that things began very differently than we had supposed, that certain ideas about priesthood and authority we have been taught were in existence from the very beginning, were not taught or even spoken of in the first four years of the church, but appear to have evolved later, around 1834. Running parallel to this are the documented views by witnesses to this early church history who testify that they had more of the gifts and power of God previous to these developments than after. Certainly that is something to consider. But why some men have hands laid on them while others do not? I have concluded that all authority comes directly from God and not from man. And if he so chooses, he can send an angel, or Christ can appear, or a man can simply see a burning bush, or hear the voice of the Lord calling to him to go forth and do the things that he asks him to do. And that is all the authority that is needed. God tells you to go and speak the word, or he tells you to perform a certain action. You are to obey, and that's an end to any discussion of whether you are authorized or not. From my own experiences, I know that when I have heard God call me to walk in certain ministries, he instills that ministry and the authority to do it, long before any man lays his hands on me. In fact, in one such ministry, I have never been ordained, and yet the Lord insists that this is a ministry he has called me to. But when operating among a people, a church, or a congregation, If they will not receive that ministry, of what good is it? Unless you are sent anyway as a testimony against their sins. But when the people or church or congregation are able to hear the Spirit of God, then God may establish the truth of your calling among them, so they will recognize and accept it. A vote of approval among a church or a congregation neither establishes or denies your calling in the mind of God but only reveals whether or not they accept your ministry among them. When men lay hands upon you in regards to a calling, they are simply setting you aside, or in other words, consecrating you, for the work of that particular ministry among them. In a sense, it is an outward witness before God and man that they are willing to receive the ministry that God has already appointed to you in the spiritual realm so that it will be done on earth, and it is already done in heaven. This is not unlike baptism 
in that the actual baptism itself is not the covenant we make with the Lord, but it is done in obedience as an outward witness of the covenant you should already have made with him. Emma Smith was told that she would be ordained by the hand of her husband to, quote, expound scriptures and to exhort the church according as it would be given her by the Holy Spirit, end quote. But while the other men readily accepted the idea that she might make a selection of hymns, which is spoken of in the next paragraph down, I'm assuming no vote was ever really taken on this. And based on what I read in church history, Emma was never really given the opportunity to walk in this calling. I sometimes wonder if church history might have taken a different course had she been allowed to take an authoritative stand and exhort the church. And would anyone have listened to her? What I have shared in regards to authority is most likely contrary to what you have been taught, but don't take my word on it. I am just one fallible man. It is in the mouth of multiple witnesses that every truth is established. Study the matter out in the two foundational books, the Bible and the Book of Mormon, and then ask God with a sincere heart, desiring to know the truth of the matter, even if it does turn your religion on its head. If you are wondering about the validity of your own baptism, I would remind you in this uncertain time that Alma, during a time of corruption in the church, went out into the wilderness and baptized himself. Mind you, I'm not telling you to do this, but I would counsel you to not be overly apprehensive about your baptism, so long as you are sincerely asking, seeking, and knocking that you might eventually understand what should be done You are under the grace of our Lord and Savior. Ultimately, the answer regarding your baptism and your covenant with God must ultimately come directly from Him. I was also asked if there is anyone even left who has authority to baptize. My belief is that there are now humble men who have made a covenant with God, that He has placed His Spirit within. God has called upon individuals to serve His people, even if they are not found within the church walls or the priesthood hierarchy, but are instead out in the wilderness. I had the very same question myself a few years back regarding the validity of my own baptism and whether I had truly received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And asking the Lord, he responded by asking me, Have you not felt my spirit over the years? Or has not my spirit even led you to many truths and opened your understanding as you studied the scriptures? Have you not heard my voice speaking to you from time to time? Silently I acknowledged the truth of what he was saying, and then the Lord continued by saying, Inasmuch as you have given yourself to me, I have given you of my spirit. To the degree that you have given yourself to me, even so have I given you a portion of my spirit, and as you give more of yourself or less, Even so will I grant unto you a greater or a lesser portion of my spirit. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God will meet us right where we are. And regardless of the state of the church, he will give to us according to our response to him and his word. I do believe that there will be men who arise in these last days who walk in greater authority, like the apostles of old. Not only men, but there will be women who also will prophesy and work in the gifts of the Spirit, even those who are called like Deborah in the book of Judges. 
not only women, but even children will begin to walk in the signs spoken of in Mark and in Third Nephi. They will heal the sick, cast out devils, and perform miracles. I have seen these things, and they have also been foretold of old. There will also be husband and wife ministry teams, like Priscilla and Aquila, whom the devil has greatly feared. Men and women of God are awakening and being prepared, even now. In regards to the spiritual condition of the church, it was revealed to me that if we only knew just how far off we are from where we need to be, spiritually speaking, in order to be properly aligned with heaven, we'd be too greatly discouraged. God seeks to encourage us, not discourage. He knows we cannot do this on our own, and he has promised me that he will send help. We must only have a desire and allow that desire to work within us such that we will begin the great spiritual journey of discovery and faith, trusting and acting upon his words while forsaking the traditions of men. I believe the Word and the Holy Spirit has counseled us not to put too much focus on all the things that are wrong, as this will also bring discouragement. Not that we should ignore the errors of our way, Absolutely, we must understand so that we can repent. But if we focus too much on error, or exert too much energy on trying to fix everything we see wrong in the church or in others, we will be consumed by it and begin to quarrel and divide over it. Fortunately for us, the way back is so very plain and simple. Perhaps too simple. In First Nephi, it says... And the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. We always want to make it complicated. The way back to God is not complicated. We don't have to do a whole lot of things. We just need our heart to be right. What is the sacrifice he called for? A broken heart and a contrite spirit? What does the scripture say? that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward. And all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. So the good news is, no matter how far off the path we are, the very moment we begin to move back towards God, we are exactly where we need to be, which is to come into the will of the Father, and into the very presence of the Lord. Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The steps we must take to be restored are so simple. We must simply mourn over those things that separate us from God, and be made clean through the sacrifice that was made to wash away our sins, and receive from His Spirit both comfort and guidance in all things. Feast upon the words of Christ. Treasure them up in your heart. Experiment upon his words. The Book of Mormon tells us that through much prayer and fasting, we can receive the spirit of prophecy and revelation. So walk by faith, not by sight, and start living your life for God today and each day after. According to James 2, 23, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
think about what it means to be someone's friend. Does it not mean that you love and care for them? It means that you're there for them and that you like to talk and spend quality time together. Now, I want you to imagine inserting your name into that passage from James. Envision how this could be true of you. The simpleness of believing God, believing in what he says, and trusting in him that this is accounted unto you as righteousness through the sacrifice of the Lamb, and that you, my brothers and sisters, can likewise be called a friend of God. I love seeing how God is moving among people out there, among people from many denominations, and even those who are not associated with a denomination. There may be things that I share in this podcast that are new for some of you, but I suspect much of what I share serves more as a confirmation for many of you, confirmation of those things that the Spirit of God is already revealing in your life. God is good. He will bring us together, all those with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, those who are humble and teachable, who hearken unto his voice. It is not to another institution that he will gather us, for the church is not an institution, but rather it is a people, even all those who will hearken to his voice, but rather he will instead gather us to himself, and there will be one shepherd and one fold. It may be that I have left you with more questions than answers this day, but it is a beginning. I am encouraged that many of you out there are not content with the traditions of men or the institutional churches, but have a sincere desire to understand the truth for themselves, for the truth will set us free. And the truth is not just knowledge, but a person, even Jesus Christ, the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you for joining me today. If you have questions, comments, or wish to share insight and understanding that you've received, please feel free to email me at teacherinzion at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel teacher in Zion that's the word teacher space and in Zion spelled as one word my books can be found at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton that's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.